Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. It's our winter deadline day special uh, and it's your host as always, Alex, and joined by Logan. Yeah, good evening, Alex, and uh, good evening all of the uh, Hull supporters out there. It's been a, a bit of a quieter window than we're used to. This time last year, we just signed, I think it was seven players under silver, number of them on loan, but there was a lot of new faces coming in, a couple of faces going out to kind of get our head around. Uh a bit quieter this time around, but we've got a few players who did finally sign on deadline day and also some near misses where we almost sold a couple of players. Touched on that in our last episode. We'll go into a lot more detail this time around. Um, I'll start with like an overall view of the transfer window, Logan. How did you see it? Uh, it took, a, took us a while to get our business done, but we did get some business done right at the end. Do you think it was enough? Do you think it was in the right places? Um, how did you see it? I think the transfer window as a whole was pretty dull and underwhelming, uh, particularly for City fans. We've become uh, kind of adapted to the the 24-hour deadline day, uh, offering quite a, a large spectacle with multiple signings on the, the most recent um, transfer windows that we've had, and we kind of expected that, uh, especially with the, the dip in form and the position we find the club in. It was kind of hopeful, I guess is the word that you would use. Uh, the city folk were hoping that the elements would, uh, for once, offer uh, some kind of reprieve with the uh, the kind of dour situation and and invest in the right ways. And uh, I, I just don't think that overall we've got all that much to be excited about. Uh, with that being said, it would be very uh, rude of us to kind of uh, count out McDonald um, as as a, as quality signing. Uh, and I thought that, uh, to be fair, on the weekend he had uh, not, not the worst of games. And, um, yeah, just, I just I think that what we kind of hoped for and what we got were, were two di- totally different things. Well, you've, you've touched on McDonald there, so we'll, we'll launch into a discussion about him first of all, and then we'll touch on Harry Wilson as well, who's just come in from Liverpool. But Angus McDonald signed him permanent deal from Barnsley. I always get a bit excited when it's a permanent deal because it's a bit of a depressing state of affairs at the moment, but every summer it seems like there's a new group of players out of contract leaving the club. So signing players on permanent deals kind of lets me think, okay, well, at least there'll be some bodies at the club next year. Um, so that's always a bit exciting. Um, while we were chasing him, there was all that talk that he had the uh, the issues with his iron levels, wasn't able to play, was getting regular injections. There was a bit of concern that we were signing him, not quite you know match fit, ready to go. But you know, he th- he was thrown into the action at Preston, and as you say, uh, tra- you know it, uh, looked quite good and, and, and accounted for himself quite well. Um, Barnsley club captain was with them for a couple of years, signed from non-league Torquay, started his career at Reading as well. Um, good sort of figure to bring into the club. We always sort of say we need more of these sorts of uh, leaders and generals and people that will sort of pull the squad together and really get pe- get people going and get you know everyone pulling in the right direction. So good to sign a player with that sort of leadership credential. Um, never a bad thing. And, and obviously in a position that we were quite deficient in at centre-back with especially Mazouk getting injured um, just against, I think it was Forrest or, or Leeds. Uh, so a, a good signing in that sense. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think that it's probably one of those ones that, like you said, leadership is going to be critical, particularly with this relegation scrap that we find ourselves in. The more players that you have around the club, like your Michael Dawson's, uh, your David Milers, that have that experience, um, that aren't afraid to roll their sleeves up, can only be a good thing, uh, particularly in the, the heart of our defence, uh, knowing that that has been an area 
where we've had uh, a lot of shortcomings since the beginning of the, the season. It's probably, well, almost certainly why we find ourselves where we do. So probably a, a very needed fit. And uh, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, that he can be uh, somewhat of a catalyst in, in fixing our defensive woes. And he's only 25, which is another good thing, good to get. Uh, he's, he's not, you know, a 21, 22-year-old very raw prospect or a, you know, 32, 33-year-old veteran. He's right in that sort of you know, sweet spot where we'll actually get some pretty good years out of him if he, if he is to stick around and, and be a long-term player for us. Um, the other aspect, of course, being it was for an undisclosed fee. Initially, there was talk that it was going to be a swap deal for one of our strikers, and I think... You know, sort of thinking about it logically, you know, Will Keane's been out with a, a 12-month injury. Hernandez is currently out injured. Uh, um, Campbell and Dicko have only just joined the club. It kind of only left Diamande as potentially the player that might have gone the other way. But as it is, we've kept all of our players. We've uh, just paid a nominal fee, I, I would think. I uh, don't quite know what the figure was actually ended up being. But it sounds like it was a relatively good deal. Yeah, it certainly doesn't come at a... a too large of a cost and I think that uh, given the fact that as we touched on the the real need to have a player of that caliber particularly when we haven't been uh, struggling up the the other side of the pitch uh, too much with the certainly the goal scoring form that Jared Bowen finds himself in and uh, despite Fraser Campbell having a bit of a dry patch at the moment he's still chipped in uh, a, a little bit so I guess that uh, Dia Monday as you said would have most likely being the player that was um, offered up as a swap, which I think probably would have suited both clubs in that sense. Um, and we wouldn't have been uh, too frustrated to see Dean Monday go, uh, given the price tag that he came in and uh, came to the club for and the fact that he probably hasn't got um, the, the goal return or any real uh, kind of credible uh, runs under his belt, despite having scored the, uh, the odd famous goal or two. Well, yeah. Speaking speaking of Diamande, I guess he he was our one of our only signings, I think, alongside Nick Powell, two seasons ago when we were in the championship with uh, Bruce, if I if I'm not mistaken, or was he a de- no? Was he was he a summer signing? I'm trying to remember now. He might have been I, summer, I he but he was, was out injured for for most of the first half. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and that, that almost was a false start in the sense that we were excited that we had that striker that was kind of uh, very much needed at the time, and people were complaining about when we had the opposite problem. Uh, couldn't score goals, but could certainly keep them out. And he came with a, a waft of expectation and, yeah, and never really record. delivered. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Be very good. But I remember that he was signed on the um, on the provisor from Bruce that he did have uh, quite the goal scoring record in uh, Norway, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, whether that really adds up to anything or not, uh, we you know he never really delivered. And I think that. Whilst he, he's not the most hopeless of players up top for uh, for the club, he, as I said, he's never really uh, stamped his kind of mark in that uh, in one of those positions to, to warrant uh, first-team football every week. Well, speaking of players coming in with very good goal-scoring records, it's our um, other signing of the window, loan signing from Liverpool, uh, young Harry Wilson, who is a, who's a record-setter in a number of ways. He was... The youngest ever ever Welsh senior player to be capped at 16 years, 207 days year, days old, uh, which also made him Liverpool's youngest ever international, which is a pretty incredible um, tag to have in your head. I think the, the next youngest for Wales was Gareth Bale, so that's the sort of company he's keeping with that record. Um, and Liverpool recently do seem to have a pretty decent record with producing these sort of young players. Um, so that bodes well for us in that sense. Uh, 10 goals and 12 appearances for the youth team so far this season. So very prolific. 
and he can play on either wing, which is really good. I think we sort of touched on him in our last episode that he'll be a great sort of flexible option to have, whether it's, um, you know, Grzycki currently injured, whether he's playing on the left and then having Bowen freed up to play on his natural position on the right, or, you know, when Krasitsky and Bowen are both fit to have Wilson on the bench to potentially bring on in either of those positions to kind of give us a bit more flexibility and, and a range of options in that sense. So he's a good young prospect. Give him a bit of game time and, and see how he develops. Without a doubt, there's certainly a, a large amount of promise there. And I guess that with the form of Krasitsky and knowing that he does sometimes tend to go missing, it uh, would be nice to, to have that coverage you mentioned that, if he if Krizicki does have an off day or isn't kind of firing in the the sense that we we require him to, then he's a certainly a strong candidate and option that uh, that gives us that variety that we're we're not really that used to having in wide positions. Um, I think I also read an interesting stat this morning that uh, his his grandfather I believe it was uh, put fifty pounds on him to become the next Wales international or it oh, might wow. have been just to play for Wales and um and it had happened and it obviously had a huge payout so uh, that was uh, a, a fantastic little uh, piece of trivia that I was yeah. reading about today and thought um you know he obviously a little bit of character there <laughs> absolutely and it's crazy when you think I mean there's a two two bit elements of this that uh, give a bit of perspective is first of all uh, it's crazy to think 12 months ago we're signing Lazar Markovic on loan from Liverpool and mm. um, a bit of perspective that 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 no disrespect to Wilson but the drop in quality between the two really sort of underlines um our position in in the football league now and and really sort of is a sobering reminder of just how far we've fallen in just 12 months but on the uh on, on the more positive side the silver lining is he's 20 years old which is is incredibly young but when you put it in perspective he's only one year younger than jared bowen who is absolutely tearing up the league and so that's really actually quite a strong positive for bowen to see just how well he's doing at such a young age Without a doubt, and having those players of, of that age and that caliber in your squad can only be a good thing. Uh, I guess the, like you mentioned, uh, the con- long-term contract that he signed with Liverpool is uh, a fascinating one, and obviously shows the uh, degree of um, trust and, and faith that they actually have in how highly they rate this player. So, look, it, whilst unproven, it certainly comes with all the plaudits um, that we're kind of hoping for as far as giving that that X factor in. And you know that drive for, for extra goals. I think uh, another one more random stat to add into the things. I think it was 12 months today uh, that we beat Liverpool 2-0. Wow. Uh, yeah. that, as you mentioned, that Lazar Markovic signing. So, uh, you know, uh, if you, there's any indication of how far we've fallen, uh, that that game in yeah. itself is probably a, a stark reminder. And I, and I saw a tweet from uh, Andy Robertson wishing Wilson all the lu- all the best luck uh, as he came here. I, I wonder if. Uh, Andy might have got in his ear a little bit to sort of encourage him to come here on loan and sort of settle any nerves because, um, yeah, Andy's really obviously travelling quite well with Liverpool at the moment and that's another one where you kind of look at and you think, geez, you know, how, how do we get how do we get relegated when you've got Maguire excelling at Leicester, you've got uh, Robertson excelling at, at Liverpool and a couple of other decent players around the place now as well and you just think there's so much quality that we had and, uh, yeah, how, how quickly things can sort of fall apart. But I guess the most heartbreaking aspect of that is usually you expect when you do lose players of that calibre, particularly for the the fees that Maguire and Robertson in particular were signed on and the kind of return that we were able to get from that, uh, you usually hope that that translates into money that can be reinvested. And because of the 
very tiny and insignificant outlay that the Alums have uh, kind of put back into the club. I think we find that the most difficult part to swallow about the whole transfer uh, window itself. Well, I was going to ask you that. I mean, there were a few players that we missed out on. Uh, Scott McKenna obviously being the most highly publicised from Aberdeen. We had three bids uh, rejected for him in the end, maybe a couple more that weren't uh, as widely publicised. But he seemed quite a quality young centre-back that we were after for a little while. Uh, there was the loan move for Rolando Ahrens that fell through from Newcastle, though, although I have a feeling that Harry Wilson was essentially a, a backup option for that. It wasn't going to be that we're going to get both of those. Um, as you say there, the amount of money that we had recouped in the summer, it does seem strange when you hear that the club doesn't have much money to spend, that we're on a tight budget, all that sort of thing. Obviously, there are reasons that we can accept that, that may be the case, but it's a bit hard to stomach and hard to swallow when you think, well, we do actually have quite a lot of money floating around somewhere. I don't think it's all being caught up in wages and uh, and you know paying off installments for previous transfers, things like that. I, 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 can't, I can't accept that, but... I guess you would hope, if that's necessarily the case, that at least the debt to the owners is being paid down or something like that. But uh, you've got to feel that, that there should have been a bit more action in the transfer window. Let's not beat around the bush. I think it's nothing short of disgusting. The the amount of money that has been put back into the club in this transfer window and the, the constant beating around of Ehab Alam coming out and saying that, oh, he thinks that he's got every faith in the squad it's absolute rubbish, and I think that that kind of McKenna uh, transfer or, or lack of is, is probably the thing that highlights it to me the most. Uh, a player who uh, 12 months ago would have jumped at the opportunity to, to be on the whole City books. In fact, uh, it would have been one of the most uh, positive career moves uh, he could ever have made. Uh, fast forward 12 months later, and we're offering bids short of £1 million that are getting rejected and then going back to offer uh, similar wage bids with just different pay structures, which to me is just abhorrent when you think about the, the money that, as we mentioned, that has been recouped. Uh, let's, let's not make any mistakes here. We're, we're sitting in the bottom three. Uh, if the club goes down, the, the value of the club goes down, um, any assets that we do have are kind of still tied up on the, on the books will most likely leave and, and search for greener pastures elsewhere. It's do or die. And the fact that the Alums have left the club in this predicament and not kind of gone in and, and made those transfers, you, you players like McKenna, who are strong and offer that um, kind of get-out-of-jail-free card of a, of a solid defender who could really come in and add something to a, an extremely failing defence, and they've let a, a, a signing like that uh, fall on deaf ears, I think it's uh, abhorrent and it's disgusting that the, the the fans that put in such you know solid effort and, and trip around and, and try to remain positive um, are kind of being forced to beat the same drum when it does just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up that the owners could allow the club to suffer like this. I, I get that they're bitter and I get the fact that you know they're trying to regain a lot of the money and recoup it as they look for an owner, but. If the club goes down, they'll see far less of it than uh, than they've ever imagined. So it's it's a it's a perplexing situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, and I I've always found it um, difficult to understand. I think my my logic was always when we got relegated that championship seasons was when everyone was sort of pulling in the same direction because from the owner's point of view, it was a case of trying to get back to the Premier League as quickly as possible. Uh, once there, you know, I can understand from their point of view just sort of pocketing all of the Premier League money and not really adding to the squad but it certainly in the championship I would have thought it's always a case of well look if we 
we've got a good squad if we spend say 10 20 million pounds retain all of the players that have come down with us spend another 10 15 million pounds go straight back up that I would have thought in the long run would be a profitable strategy rather than what they're doing this season which is essentially just saying well we've sold these these players for whatever it was about 40 50 million pounds and we'll spend 15 million so a net net gain of 35 million pounds um just doesn't seem to make sense at all and you think and you, you talk about McKenna there with a bit of I think it was about 500,000 pounds you think two years ago Andy Robertson was getting bought for two and a half million and he was a very inexperienced rough young player a very similar situation to McKenna probably not uh well well yeah I would have said that McKenna would be worth as much as Robertson, really, when you think about it, and and that's two and a half million pounds. We're offering six hundred thousand for him. You would think we'd at least offer about a million, but um, it's not the case. Ehab, in in, a, in an interview in the last few days, was saying, "Oh, it's tough to buy players in January because of the inflationary nature of the market at the moment. That everyone's, you know, holding out for that extra money that will come in the next transfer window." Which I just think it's just another one of those really weird excuses from him because you just sort of think, well. You know, if that's the case, sure, you don't necessarily go out and buy players, but where's the new deals, decent wages for guys like Huddleston, Dawson, Hernandez, um, you know, Maguire potentially, all those sorts of guys. Where's the money to retain those players? And then, yeah, we'll see those greater fees in, re- in, in the years to come. Or else, if you're going to sell Maguire, sell Robertson, sell these, these guys in the summer, where's some of that money? Just even, like I'm saying, just 50% of it maybe, getting reinvested on similar young players. So I can appreciate, yeah, we brought in uh, Jackson Irvine and we brought in Dicko and we sort of tried, and Terrell, and we tried to pursue that strategy a little bit. Um, but you've got to see in January that that's not necessarily working, that these guys aren't working out uh, as a team. As individual players, they aren't bad players, but something's not clicking. Uh, we've tried changing the manager. That hasn't necessarily worked either. But you've got to make some sort of, whether we loan some of these guys out to clear them off the wage book bring in some other guys. I don't know what the solution is. Uh, but it's just a very messy situation that we find ourselves in. And you, we, we talked in recent weeks about looking at the situation at Sunderland and you think, well, geez, they've got someone like Jack Rodwell on the books uh, who didn't have a relegation clause. He's still on his £70,000 a week. And you think, well, that's such a mess. What an incompetently run club that they can let this situation occur. But really, ours isn't much better. Yeah, you know, I think I, I read somewhere recently that I think Grzycki's our top wage earner and he's on about 25000 a week, um, which, which you know, is a lot, but compared to Rodwell on 70000 that's not that much. But you just think that somewhere down the line, we've not managed our, our squad at all well in terms of contracts, in terms of um, selling players at the right time, buying decent young players. We... We seem to just have this this really sort of inexperienced scouting set up where it almost seems just like we joked about the fact that in the summer, you know, Irvine scored against us, Dicko scored against us, and we've signed both of them. Um, that 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 sort of that was almost our recruitment strategy. Well, the other side of things that I'd like to take it even further is a quick look up the table to see where Derby are situated at the moment. They've got Davies and Huddleston playing for them with all reports, two players that were more than happy to stay if their contracts were negotiated earlier. Um, we're talking about a, a much smoother price tag than even having to go out and kind of do that yeah. shopping list. I think That's Curtis Davies... I don't understand, went, I don't understand Curtis, how the extra wages on a new contract would be worth so much less than going out, paying a transfer fee and paying wages for a new signing. 
That's right. And, and I think that if you look at the caliber of player in, in Curtis Davies, and no respect to the new signings or, or what we've currently got in our uh, in our defense, but Curtis Davies is arguably our, our best defender out of all of those, and we let him walk out the door. And you can just see the kind of fruits of what he's done by sliding into a club like Derby. Um, that's also not even discounting the fact that Livermore left on, on big money earlier than that. We've got Rob Snodgrass, who's playing for Villa in the well and truly in the top six under Bruce, and and by all all reports making a fist of it. Uh, these are some quality caliber championship signings that we've kind of they've disappeared and, and slipped through the cracks. And with the big money that was laid off, particularly for Livermore and Snodgrass, we haven't seen any of that either. And and you know look look where they are now. Uh, particularly Snodgrass, and we're probably going to find ourselves in a situation where we're going to watch multiple uh, players who who left our club last year um, find themselves in a promotion position on in a brand new club uh, straight after with a with a bounce up, uh, a bounce back up rather. And I think that's the probably the hardest part to stomach, looking at who we have on the books, how many players are off contract, and how much money we've recouped from the players who will most likely get promoted. It's it's very very bitter pill to swallow. And even last night, we saw Mohamed Diami scoring a goal for Newcastle, reminding us that it was only 18 months ago that he rejected a new contract with a Premier League team, as we were at that point, to instead sign for a recently relegated Newcastle side. So there's a lot of perspective to put in place about where the players are going and why they're choosing the moves that they're making. But it's not a good look for the club with the way things are at the moment. But I think that... Yeah, it's very easy to see the common denominator. Um, <laughs> you look at how many managers have kind of cracked under the the weight of the the Alum administration. Um, they've obviously gone in there with shopping lists, requested players, and uh, somewhere along the lines, those requests aren't being heard. And the kind of uh, the frustration for for both sides is that the fans as well not getting the signings, but also the managers themselves that kind of put forward their blueprint of how to get out of the division or how to survive the division. And all of a sudden, uh, it sounds like the alums are like, yes, yes, yes. And then as soon as it, it comes time to, to front up, um, the, the kind of plans change and all of a sudden, uh, the, the, the managers are stuck in that position of not really knowing what way to go. And that's where the frustration becomes evident. Well, the silver lining to the window was that we didn't end up selling any of our prized assets. Uh, so we'll talk about some of the near misses, perhaps, um, that we had in the window with uh, three players that almost left or, or could have left. There's discussion, speculation that they might be on the way out, but we've retained their services. Uh, first one being Jared Bowen, I think obviously the most important one to keep. We, we discussed on a pod- podcast a, a couple of months ago that um, I think it was Dan and myself talking about whether or not he would be a City player at the end of the January transfer window. I was actually tagged in something on Twitter where uh, Bowen was calling out a supporter who had tweeted him saying that if he was still a City player uh, at the start of February, he'd go out and eat some kangaroo bollocks. And uh, Bowen was sort of saying, oh, well, you know, good luck to you to, to find a couple of those to, to have a munch on. And I said something along the lines of that I'd be happy to help try and source them for him. But um, it does seem amongst supporters that it seemed quite unlikely that Bowen would still be with us come the end of the window. But that's the way it's turned out, which is great to see. He he seems like a very switched on young guy. Um, perhaps, you know, he's heeded the warning of, uh, of Josh Timon's move to Stoke, where grass isn't always necessarily greener. You know, he might not be on the best contract terms at City at the moment, but he's getting regular game time. 
He's playing well. He's scoring goals in a championship team for the time being. Uh, and that perhaps this is the best place to be for him. It certainly seems that way. I think that you've already touched on it, his work ethic and his desire. It's, it's obvious that when he does score goals, the celebration kind of matches the, the effort. And he seems very happy to be playing where he is. He certainly seems to be getting the opportunities to, to score goals um, in, in, as far as chances created go. So whilst he is, uh, it's very, uh, I think another one that you touched on, it's very strange thinking back 12 months that Eric Bowman was not on the radar at all for, for City fans. And if he was, he was, you know, off the bench and had played a very limited amount of football. Uh, fast forward 12 months later in, in the dire situation that we find ourselves in to, to see him head and shoulders above the rest and, and up amongst the um, the leading championship goal scorers uh, having a cracking season. So I think when we kind of uh, look at the meteoric rise, so to speak, uh, probably still does suit him. I do, however, fancy that in six months' time, um, regardless of whether we end up staying in the division or not, uh, if he keeps his goal-scoring form uh, going as he, as he has been, and uh, remains as prolific as he is, um, it'll be very, very hard to see City being able to hold on to him yeah, yeah. Uh, because the, the suitors will be coming out of the, um, out of the clouds to, to get a hold of him. Yeah, I, I, I can't see us holding on to him, especially if we are relegated. Um, if we manage to stay up, who knows, he might be uh, willing to stay on for another season. I think that'll be the sort of make or break of it. I think similar to last season with Robertson and Maguire, who might have been willing to stay on if we'd stayed up, but uh, that wasn't to be. Um, another player who might have left us last season and is still with us this season, and and we had a loan offer in for him on deadline day, was Camille Grzycki, who was uh, offered the loan move to Derby, or Derby tried to get him on loan, and, and it was swiftly rejected by Adkins and the board. Uh, it's an interesting one, because from all reports, he's a bit peeved that he wasn't given his move and he didn't play against Preston on the weekend. Um it's an odd one, though, in the sense that as it was only a loan deal, I don't know why he necessarily would have been that keen to, to move to another championship club. If it was a Premier League club, I could understand him wanting to make the move. But unless he thought that, you know, if he played well at Derby, they may well sign him in the summer. I'm not sure. But um, he, he's still a City player at the end of the window. And, and alongside Bowen, he, he's been one of our most attacking players this season and really important to us going forward. I think it's a an absolute minor miracle that Cameron Grzycki will uh, will still be a, a City player um, in February and the next time he returns from injury. I, I think that it's just amazing. Uh, everything that I've seen from him, uh, suggestions from him, despite putting in some uh, pretty valid performances, he just certainly does just uh, consider himself that that cut above the rest. And and sometimes it is hard to argue with him in the in the way that he does turn games on his head. Or on their head, rather. Uh, and I think that, as you just mentioned, the, the ticket to Derby on the loan deal, I think, would have, in his mind, probably been his fast track back to the Premier League. Uh, seeing where they're positioned on the league table at the moment and the, the football that they're playing, I think that he's probably just looked at that as the opportunity that if the loan deal was to take place and he performed um, in, in, a, in a very uh, promising team, then that probably would have been a, uh, the first first uh, rite of passage of, of Derby to, to make him their signing, um, and, and that would have been the, the free ticket back to the Premier League. Uh, instead, he, he finds himself in a very frustrating um, league relegation scrap in a, in a otherwise deteriorating club. So uh, I think that it's probably a case of everyone trying to jump ship at the moment, given the nature of, of, of what's actually happening behind the scenes. 
but uh, I think I speak for everyone in saying that uh, we're very, very lucky to have him and, and stoked that he will be um, available for, for the last few months running. And uh, and unfortunately, talking about players being willing to jump ship, it seems that's extended even to the uh, to the club captain with uh, Michael Dawson almost joining Nottingham Forest on deadline day. And this is probably the most interesting of the three in terms of how close it came to happening because by all reports, Dawson was actually in Nottingham thinking it was pretty close to being finalised. Um I mean, there's there's two sides to this. I I find is is I'm a little bit peeved at Dawson for for getting a bit stroppy that the move didn't go through and apparently not making himself available for selection against Preston, which I think was pretty unprofessional from someone that's been in the game long enough to understand that deals don't always get done, especially when they they come through that late. Uh, and also from Forrest, I think if Forrest really wanted to sign him, I don't know why they left it till deadline day and and really sort of giving us no choice or no chance to replace him and bring in, in a replacement um, really basically made it an impossibility. I know that uh, apparently the Alums had signed off on the deal and then only reneged on that when they uh, saw the reaction from fans at the Hall of Fame dinner. But 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 even so, I just it seemed like a very strange deal to kind of come out of virtually nowhere at the end of the window and, and for all parties to be pissed off now that it hasn't gone through. I, I think it was a bit unreasonable of Dawson to think it was going to get done at that late stage. I feel like we're beating the same drum in everything that we say because it always does just seem to boil back down to the poorly run um, Alab administration that we we find ourselves under. I think that the character of a player of Michael Dawson's calibre is is one that shouldn't be questioned. Uh, I think we've all kind of hurt when we've watched those relegation games and when we have gone down from the Premier League. And I don't think there's a more upset figure than Michael Dawson when, when a club goes down. Uh, he gives everything when he's on the pitch and, and always has done his whole career. And as City uh, fans, we've become accustomed to that because Andy Dawson was no different. Uh, I think it's probably worth going back and looking at the, the long list of, of positive characters that these alums have actually cracked in the form of Bruce, in the form of Mike Phelan, uh, Slutsky to a degree, even Marco Silva was pretty quick to jump ship, although granted it probably was for, for very different reasons. Um, I think that the deciding factor was Dawson with Dawson uh, wanting to make that move to, to Forrest, uh, be it uh, a very late one was the fact that they offered an extended contract and, from my understanding, had come some kind of scope for, for a coaching gig afterwards. Um, and I think that given the fact that the uncertainty around City at the moment and the fact that we were probably only going to offer him a very short contract, uh, if one at all, it would have been a year tops, uh, really left him in that situation where he probably sees himself wanting to play for another two years and Nottingham Forest could offer it and, and City couldn't. Well, interestingly, it sounds as if that there's a uh, there's already potentially a deal in place for him to move in the summer, which wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it is going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season pans out with him and uh, what sort of involvement he has, what his attitude is on the pitch, all that sort of thing. I would I would hope that he can sort of uh, shift his focus to just sort of you know putting everything in for the team as I'm sure he will and, and keeping us in the division uh, come what may in the summer. You know, we'll see we'll see when we get there. Um, but it was certainly the most uh, interesting development on, on deadline day. And honestly, I thought at one point, I thought he and Grzycki were gone. Yeah, 
Exactly. And I think that when you look at both the, the individual player's situation and their, their kind of needs and, and requests for wanting away for different reasons, I think that if we're honest with ourselves, it's it's quite valid. Uh, it, it seems to be the, the worst uh, group to be playing under or the worst kind of uh, owners in <laughs> really in world football at the moment to be playing under. Um, so the players obviously want away. The coaching staff uh, even seemed to be struggling, and there was probably the first signs of of cracks in uh, Nigel Atkins's post match uh, interview as well. Uh, and I think it's just a case of these guys can can break anyone's neck uh, now, given the amount of pressure that they've put on. And to see someone like Dawson, I think probably speaks more volumes uh, than what it does to see Grzycki want away. But it certainly is a is a stark reminder of the dilemma that we find ourselves in uh, for the run in. Yes, it's an interesting situation, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was an interesting window on the whole. I think we've got. I just keep coming back to the positive that we haven't sold anyone, that we've still got all of our better players at the club, and and that really, um, you know, bringing in a new centre back is is clearly going to help with reinforcements in an area that we were quite thin. Uh, bringing in another creative winger is a good option going forward, so it can only help share the load with Bowen and Grzycki as well. Uh, could we have done a bit more? I think we, we definitely could have brought in another centre-back, probably another full-back. I think um, having only really Ola Aina, Tamori and um, uh, Kingsley, who's been you know unfit for most of the season, I don't know when Odebajo is expected back. I think relying on him to any extent is uh, it would be foolish. Um, I think another full-back certainly would have helped. Um, but you know, on the whole, I can't be too upset with the window. I guess, I guess, I guess going into the window, my expectations were pretty low and I sort of expected us to only do business on deadline day. So I'm not as upset or as frustrated as some potentially might be who, who might've expected more to get done. But what was your overall feel of it? Uh, I guess the pessimistic side of me looks at the, the playing roster. And whilst you did touch on the fact that we probably are in a position where this window instead of getting excited about new signings coming in, there's more of a reflection on who we've held on to. With that in mind, I think that it's probably mindful to remember that we are sitting in the bottom three and it's because of the same playing group that we currently have uh, on the books up until now, those, those same players that we've done ever so well to hold on to that have kind of allowed us to or contributed to us being in that position. So, Whilst there is uh, positives in the fact that we have kept our big players, uh, there is also very worrying signs that those players are maybe not equipped to roll up their sleeves and, and, and get this job done of, of surviving um, this this kind of second straight relegation uh, situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, I, I think that certainly in the whole, I think that the, the two new signings are, are promising and, and they're certainly not want-away players. I think they will add to the squad, um, albeit, um, I, I guess, uh, it's still up for debate and certainly um, one that is, is unknown, but particularly given the age. But I think that uh, it's it's certainly an underwhelming transfer window. And as you said, when we, when we go back and look at what money should be available and the amount of money that has been recouped to see this low-level investment um, – is, is more of a concern for me than, than offering uh, any sort of real uh, solid sign of hope. Well, yeah, so it's been a bit of an underwhelming end to the transfer window and it was an underwhelming result on the weekend against Preston, which we'll discuss in our regular podcast this Thursday night. So uh, hopefully everyone can tune in for that one. Uh, 
But until then, we've we've had a, a good discussion about the transfer window. So thank you for joining me for that, Logan. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Hopefully, this has helped uh, give you some understanding of the, the new signings that have come into the club, brought you up to date on all of the uh, goings-on around the club towards the end of the transfer window and, uh, and been quite insightful. So until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black.